If we recall our gospel passage from last week, we can remember that the Pharisees, who in an attempt to trap Jesus, showered him first with flattering words, sort of in a way to butter him up. And all of these words were true, of course, but none of them the Pharisees actually meant. Now, in our passage today, we hear of the Pharisees returning again to test Jesus. And in between these two encounters occurred a run-in with the Sadducees, who are mentioned at the beginning of the Gospel passage. And the Sadducees denied the resurrection of the body. And Jesus, in that encounter, efficiently and firmly silenced them in front of everyone. So you can imagine what the Pharisees were thinking when they came back again to try Jesus. Things were getting very serious, and Jesus continued to turn away and reduce the religious leaders into silence in front of the masses. Now he, in this instance, the Pharisees sent one of their best and their brightest, a scholar of the law, who knew the law to the the smallest detail. And the question that's presented to Jesus, which commandment in the law is the greatest, was to serve as a sort of multifunctional test. So Jesus' answer would not only demonstrate his knowledge of the law, or lack thereof, which the Pharisees were hoping to show, but it would also possibly put him in a position to blaspheme against the law, because every law in the Torah was to be observed equally. One law was not considered more important than another. They were all to be equal. However, the fact that this question was even raised shows that there was some disagreement on that position. Now, when replying, Jesus quotes two laws of the Old Testament. And the first comes from the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, which reads as this. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart and with your whole being and with your whole strength. Take to heart these words which I command you today. Keep repeating them to your children. Recite them when you are at home and when you are away when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them on your arm as a sign, and let them be as a pendant on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. This first law emphasizes the importance of the embrace of the doctrine that God is one. At the time the Deuteronomic laws were being developed, the Hebrew people were under a great influence from the Egyptians, who were pagans and worshipped a great many gods. Therefore, this law that God is one is paramount in the Jewish faith. Now, something else that we must pay attention to is the formulation and the verbiage of this law. It states, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart. Now, for us, we think of the heart in a figurative sense as being the center for emotion in the human person. We say things like, I give my heart to you. In my heart of hearts, I know this. I love you with all my heart. Now, if we reduce it simply to emotion, then this can become sort of a Hallmark card sort of law. Now, the Hebrew people would agree that emotion lies in the heart, but they also ascribed all mental thought and physical power as coming from this center-most organ of the body, not from the brain as we would understand it today. And part of this is because the heart is located in the middle of the body, inside the ribcage, and is therefore physically as interior in the body as something can be. 
The Hebrew people, therefore, saw this as a source of everything that made a person a person and an acting individual. Now, the Hebrew word for heart, when written out in ancient Hebrew, is only two characters. Now, the first character resembles a curved shepherd's staff turned upside down. It sort of looks like a J. And that conveys the meaning of authority or rule, just as a shepherd would rule over the flock. Now, the second character is similar to a squared-off letter G, sort of box-shaped like this. And it's representative of the floor plan of the tents in which the Hebrew people lived during their nomadic periods. Now, this symbol carried the meaning of inside or something interior because the family lived inside the tent. Now, the two combined literally mean the authority within, or as we translate it into English, the heart. The heart for the Hebrew people was the command center for everything about them. Thus, not only should one, according to this law, emotionally feel love for God, but all of his mental activity should reflect this love of God, as well as all of his physical actions. His whole entire self and life must be devoted to love of God. Now, the second law that Jesus cites in his response comes from the 19th chapter of the book of Leviticus, another mosaic book of law. And it states this, You shall not hate any of your kindred in your heart. Reprove your neighbor openly so that you do not incur sin because of that person. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your own people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a crucial aspect of our own being is that we're created in relationship. We're created for a relationship with God, our Maker, and also for a relationship with others. Now, if we fully live out the first commandment that Jesus presents, to love God with all our heart, it naturally will flow into our interactions with others. Love of God and love of neighbor were the two most important features of the Jewish faith, and they carried over as the cornerstones of our Christian faith as well. By virtue of our baptism, We enter into a relationship with the church, the body of Christ. And we cannot live out our Christian lives fully unless we have an awareness of and we facilitate the deepening of that relationship. Now, there's no such thing as a church made up of one person. If I were to cut off my finger, no matter how clean and well-groomed my finger is and how manicured the cuticle is, if I cut it off from the body, my finger will die. Now, that same idea can be applied to our relationship with God. If we cut ourselves off from the body, or we weaken our relationship to the body through sins against charity toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, our relationship with the head of the body will suffer as well, equally. Now, Jesus claims that the whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. This is because the entire Ten Commandments, the Decalogue given to Moses on Mount Sinai, the foundation of the Mosaic Law, is constructed on the love of God and the love of neighbor. Now, while all of us here are not first century Hebrews, of course, the teachings of Jesus fully apply to us today, still. The two laws that he points out as the most important supersede all of the rigorous minutia of the old law and form the core values of the Christian life. 
We must therefore also allow our love of God to form every aspect of our existence, our thoughts, our emotions, our actions. And in doing so, we must allow that intense love of God to be reflected in our interactions with others. Now, our personal relationship with our Lord is the means of the strength to carry out such an intense way of life. Now, one simple practice that will help us begin this transformation of the self is beginning every day with the sincere praying of a morning offering. Now, my favorite morning offering comes from St. Therese of Lisieux. And I began that practice when I entered seminary, and the prayer was, was offered to me by my spiritual director. And so I put it in a prominent place above my mirror. And I encourage you all to do the same so that it's there throughout the day. You see it. You begin your day and end your day by looking at that. And you remember it throughout the day. So I will close with this prayer and place it before you that it may become your own prayer. Oh, my God, I offer thee all my actions of this day for the intentions and for the glory of the sacred heart of Jesus. I desire to sanctify every beat of my heart, my every thought, my simplest works, by uniting them to its infinite merits. And I wish to make reparation for my sins by casting them into the furnace of its merciful love. O my God, I ask of thee for myself and for those whom I hold dear, the grace to fulfill perfectly thy holy will, to accept for love of thee, the joys and sorrows of this passing life, so that we may one day be united together in heaven for all eternity. Amen.